I don't love the term biz bestie. <laughs> don't love it. <laughs> because it really gives people the wrong idea. Yeah. I don't want to be friend zoned. Like, I will be friendly and I'm a fun hang and like we can relate and, you know, talk about cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies together. But also, this is what I do for a living. <laughs> Welcome back to the CEO Wing Woman Show. I'm your host, Christy Bowie, and we're back with a very exciting episode. And I know I say that every week, but honestly, I really mean it every single week. Today, we're talking with Amanda Smith. She is a business coach and the CEO of Dallas Girl Game, a 50,000-plus global community of engaged women connecting in career, business, and life. Amanda is also a former elementary music teacher of seven years, and she has become an expert in authentic marketing, brand partnership pitching, and cultivating community. In 2017, Amanda moved to Dallas and was seeking a community for women that was inclusive and offered resources, and she couldn't find anything. So what she did, she created it herself and called it Dallas Girl Gang. Amanda, we are so excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. So I want to start with the obvious. Um, you are pregnant right now. Sure am. <laughs> sure am. So how are you feeling about your business and everything that is going on while, you know, you were preparing to hopefully maybe step away and have a maternity leave? Yeah. It's something that is, I never thought would be like quite so challenging. Um, but when you are running the company and you're responsible for people and you know, making sure everybody is doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then if you're not there, you know, <laughs> it's not like things are not going to get done. Um, but like you're the leader. And exactly. so now I'm feeling okay. I, I'm, I'm in, the, as we record this in the end of November, I'm still in the motion pieces of putting this puzzle together and what it's going to look like and making sure everyone has like a structured SOP and, you know, goals and action items that they're supposed to be, you know, meeting and stuff like that. Um, but honestly, like I'm excited because I do plan to take off, you know, at least eight weeks or more. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and I want to be flexible too, because I know like if I'm like, Oh, I want to jump back in and like kind of check my email or check Instagram or something. Like I want to give myself the freedom to do that. But also if I get to eight weeks or 10 weeks and I'm like, I don't want to go back yet. Like I'm going to let myself, you know, allow that to happen too. So I'm trying to plan for that now. Yeah. I think that's really smart to kind of set expectations for like, this might be what it is, but also prepare everybody. Yeah. Um, so I know you mentioned kind of putting in SOPs in place for yeah. your team. Are there any other things you're kind of doing to prepare your team from, you know, a really tactical point, like forwarding my emails, like all of these little things that we forget about. What are you doing for that? Yeah. Um, so probably end of October, I started to, um, remind people and say, Hey, let's start practicing. You know, here's this scenario or here's this email we just got from a client. I'm going to let you take it. I'm going to let you respond. I'm going to let you run point on this. And then I'm kind of behind the scenes, like watching as I'm being copied on the email and saying, Hey, that's great. Let's say this next, or let's do this. Um, and kind of like 
layering in, taking off the training wheels, if you will. Um, so like starting December 1st, one of my teammates, she's going to start taking over all of our invoicing and contracts because she's going to have to do that when I'm out. I'm not going to sit on HoneyBook all day, <laughs> like sending invoices, which is like always fun to get paid, but you know, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Um, so I'm like, let's do it now. Let's practice now. Um, and same thing with like our events, you know, I have hired a new events director, Grace. She's amazing. She started in September and did some events, jumped right into the conference, which was <laughs> great. And now, um, she just ran our November events by herself and like, couldn't be more proud. So again, taking off the training wheels and letting them, um, kind of still have some assistance while I'm around has been really helpful. Yeah, it almost sounds like a forced opportunity to do some things yes. that would maybe occur naturally and later, later anyway. Um, so do you see yourself kind of going back into these roles once you're back? Or are you like, hey, this is my excuse to, to step away? This is, it's, it's exactly what you just said. It's a perfect time because, um, you know, over the last five or so years, there have been a lot of things where I've still been very involved, like very involved in all of our marketing, all of our sales, um, I've created and planned pretty much every event we've ever done up until I hired Grace. Um, and it's just time for me to step out of that stuff. And it just worked out that like I got pregnant. <laughs> you had to step away. And now I'm having to step away. And even when he gets here, like I'm not going to, there's no reason for me to jump back into like someone else can send our invoices. That's, exactly. You know what I mean? Someone else can coordinate with our vendors and sponsors and locations for events. Like that's not something I am required to do. Right. I still want to be involved in the big, big picture and development and obviously like negotiations and sales on, on the bigger side of things. Um, but yeah, there are so many things that like my team is capable of doing or other hires that we could bring on, um, are capable of doing that I could teach and bring them into our team and, trust someone else to do it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really insightful to kind of see, you know, this was the forced shift that you needed. Going into, you know, this shift in your business, was this something you were thinking about already? Or was it just something I know a lot of us are anxious to give up control in any oh. capacity. So what was kind of holding you back from being like, I don't need to invoice my clients, things yeah. like that? Um, you know, this was something I was already thinking about. And so probably at the beginning of this year, I've started to layer these things away. Um, one of them being like managing our brand partnerships. I love our brand clients. Um, but my favorite part is like the initial conversation, negotiating, getting them on board, and then like doing the project with them. But all the behind the scenes and the admin work and the, you know, all those things like, I don't have to do that. Someone else is probably great at that and can do that. So that's what Rachel on our team is for. Um, and, and I knew again, even before I got pregnant, um, I was going to need help with events because I don't, I mean, this sounds terrible and it's, it's not like I, I'm really good at setting boundaries. I don't want to be at every single event that we do. Yeah. Like we live 30 miles from the city like or from Dallas. And then, you know, Lord forbid we like have an event in Plano, like we, we just did or whatever. But, um, especially like now we're, we're getting back to doing two, three events a month, maybe like four, who knows? And so that's a lot. 
to do. Yeah. Um, and I think it's even more powerful for you to be able to say, hey, I am not the brand. The brand exists independently without me. Right. And to be able to form that. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's about the community. And of course, like people associate me with, the, and, and, and will continue because especially in like the business support side of things like that and the mentorship and things like that, that's me behind the scenes. But, you know, I, I want it to be more about our team and the community and our partners. Um, yeah. So speaking of, you know, the team you've built and how you're preparing them to take over, can you kind of share a little bit like what your team looks like now, what roles you're working on outsourcing? I think a lot of our listeners are probably in a very similar stage. Like I need to start outsourcing. I don't know where. So if you could give us some insight to what you started doing and any tips you have. It's super scary because I mean, we said this a second ago, like I am, I'm not a type A person and I'm not a control freak, but as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, especially when you've been doing it by yourself for so long, or maybe you've had a virtual assistant with you or something, it is hard to just tell someone, give them an SOP, assign them tasks and click up and then like let go and then wait until the due date that you assign that task and, and be like did you do it? Like, and you don't want to be that like overbearing mother of like, you know, I'm going to check on this or whatever, but it, you can only do so much and you have to let people like trial and error and learn. And really how I see it. And my husband and I were just talking about this the other day because every season, um, and really semester I bring on new interns and that's part of what I love to get to do is mentor the people that I bring on to our team, especially our interns, because they're so young and they're trying to figure out what they want to do. Like I just, I talked to one of our girls because their internship's going to end after Christmas. Um, and I just kind of wanted to talk now before we get into the holidays. And I was like, how has it been? How's your experience been? And I said, what have you learned? And you know, have you learned like, Oh, I actually don't like doing this or whatever. And she's, she just learned all these new things of what she thought she wanted to pursue And now she's in her senior year. Like, she's like, I don't know that I want to do that. And I'm like, now's the time to like decide. Um, But in our team, um, we have people, we have someone managing our brand partnerships, leading our events. Um, These are individual people. And the thing is, if you're listening, like this has changed for me so many times and it always will serve a purpose. And I actually put this in my stories the other day. Um, I've made plenty of mistakes <laughs> and bad hires. I think so many people have. <laughs> so it's a lesson learned. Um, it might be money lost. Um, Again, part of the game. <laughs> part of the game. But there's so many ways like to really avoid that. And that hasn't happened to me, but maybe twice. Um, you get better at learning how to be a little bit more intuitive and ask the right questions. Um I think one of the best things that I do now is giving people like a practice task of, especially if it's like a social media position or something, let's say I want to see, okay, what do you know about our brand? Can you look at our branding kit and our content and our pillars? What could you create for us? Like, give me, give me an example. Yeah. So like see an example of what an actual product would be before you hire them and say, Oh wait, you're not the right thing. Yeah. Or, you know, um, I'm probably going to be bringing on a girl who used to work with us and, um, she 
helped me pitch for brand partnerships. And when I hired her the first time, I was like, okay, here's a scenario. We have this kind of partner. We're looking to do this. Write me the kind of pitch you would send them first thing. And then I was able to see how does she write? How does she communicate? Um, how professional is she? And give me a sense of, does this quality match what you put on your resume <laughs> or match what you said in the email <laughs> that you pitched to me saying you want to work for me? Um, but yeah, basically people managing our community and now our new membership, um, you know, our brand partnerships, events, um, and then social media. Um, so, and there's a couple of different like smaller roles in there. Um, and again, it's changing right now because of maternity. And the one thing that I'm putting in place right now and interviewing for all through all the applications that I've got, um, is someone to kind of manage operations while I'm out and kind of play me. Um, and then the goal would be like potentially keep that person after I come back or see how things are going and then just kind of shift the puzzle pieces again to make sure, because I always want to know and be confident in, is everyone in a role that they A, care about, B, are passionate about and good at, and C, is it fitting what I need? Um, I think we get stuck a lot when you hire a virtual assistant or you hire a service provider because they are really specific about what they offer. But you as the boss, like you're the one in charge. So you get to ask the questions and you get to determine what you're hiring for. And so that's kind of a, a bit of a dance. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really good to hear. And also to always keep in mind, you know, we might have the exact right people, but they just might not be in the right spots yep. or in the right place for our business at the time. So, you know, you having the ability to step back and say, okay, I'm not running every single one of these paths. Yeah. I am stepping back and saying, okay, what is going right in each one? And really like having that CEO mindset of like, I will jump into a place that needs me at a given time. But overall, my goal is to step back and kind of watch it run. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're going to do a great job because several of them have been with me for a long time, first of all. Um, and then I'm just like everyone that I hire to has to be on board with what we do and like why we do it. And I think like, and no one's going to care about your business as much as you do, but they care a lot and they care about our brand and what we're doing for people. So, um, yeah, they're going to do great. Yeah, that's awesome. So I want to dive a little bit into something um, you are quite the expert in, and I think a lot of us probably have a lot of questions on, and that is, of course, building a community. So I really want to hear in your words, you know, how would you define a community and what does that mean to you? Oh, man. I mean, I think everyone has, like, their different definitions of community in different um, spaces. I think a community is a place where you can land day after day and be yourself, period. Whether you're, you know, in a corporate job at Deloitte over here or you're running your own business or you're a stay-at-home mom or a work-from-home mom or you're working part-time at Target for the holiday season, like, I don't care who you are. I think everyone deserves a place to, to land and, like, have a spot to come back to. I think that's really insightful into just the way you've built your entire business. You know, making people feel like they belong somewhere is really 
something that people crave, not just yeah. right now, but throughout their entire journey of not just business, a human, being a human, yeah. you crave, you know, attention and people understanding exactly what you're going to. And that's kind of how we operate day in, day out. So you've obviously built a huge community, over 50,000 engaged people coming to your events, in your mm-hmm. groups. Do you have any secrets to how you did this or what, what'd you do? How'd you share it all? <laughs> um, there's no secrets. I don't think, I think the, the one thing I will say, and, and this is where people ask this question a lot, right? And they're like, how do I build community? And like, you know, I mean, people hire me as their coach to work on this, right? You need to be able to look at someone's story that you see on Instagram or TikTok and realize, I don't know every single circumstance that allowed them to be successful in that. So I want to preface it with, first of all, this was 2017. Facebook was still super popping and there was something in the water per se of um, it catching on and getting a lot of traction. And I think that was, I had a good idea. Like, and that's yeah, and not, your whole story is like, you saw a need and you went right. and you did it. So like, yes, is kind of right time, but also you, you noticed the way the environment was shifting. And it wasn't, again, I was a full-time teacher at this point. I did not wake up in 2017 in April and decide I'm going to start a business today. No, I was in a direct sales business. I was teaching. I just wanted to network. So I was finding events on Instagram and Eventbrite and I was connecting with people and it really was a passion project at first. It was not about money. It was not about even, I had not even considered quitting teaching at that point. It was not about like getting a lot of followers on social media or going viral or any of that. It was about, I was lonely. I needed friends and I thought to myself, I cannot be the only person. I know I'm not. And once I saw, once I put it out there, cause I was, you know, it was a little scary to say, hi, I'm an adult. Like I need friends. <laughs> like I'm lonely. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of people relate and to that. A lot though. of people. And that is the thing because, and I think we're, we're hearing this more in these last few years as an adult making friends, especially I think as a woman, I, because we, we're all intimidated by each other for some reason. Well, it's, you're supposed to, like, have it all together. I know. And saying, like, hey, I actually don't have friends. <laughs> um, it's, it's scary to be like, I actually don't have it all together. I actually don't have, like, this basic level of, like, friendship. Yeah. It's scary. Well, and especially, like, five, six years ago, like, the public vulnerability of that was not, like, you know, now on TikTok, you, you see people, like, crying on TikTok and being vulnerable. And I'm like, okay, but which is fine. Do whatever you want. But it wasn't like a thing. And so, um, I think it it started with something that I was passionate about and that I honestly wanted for myself. And then it became a thing where people were feeling so connected and like they belonged and they found a place to be themselves that, I was like, oh, I have to take care of these people now. Like, I kind of have to, like, shepherd this community now. Like, what does this look like? Um, And then it developed into a business. So that's not the answer people want to hear sometimes. They want to, you know, know the formula of, like, A plus B equals C. But, like, again, I think the biggest thing that can help you make something really successful is 
forget about the money and the notoriety and the whatever that might come with something. And like, when you strip everything away, are you really, who are you serving? Like, is, are you doing what you and your soul are meant to do? And are you being yourself? You know, cause I think it's really clear and really, um, apparent when people try to force something that might not work. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can really tell sometimes when people just want to do something for a certain reason. Um, yeah, that really makes sense. And I think you had a really good grasp of what your community needed because, like you said, like you needed it too. Yeah. And so really getting into the core of like, what do these people need right now? And you probably had a little bit more insight because, like you said, you built it for you. Yeah. But really thinking about, you know, okay, this person is telling me like they want to make more money, but maybe the reason they want to make more money is because they want to feel respected in society. And yeah. so can we just jump to the like, hey, we respect you. And you know, like there's so many things that people kind of think they want and they say they want, but really that's not the core of the problem. And so yeah. you truly knowing and feeling the exact same way as your community helped you, I think really build that. Yeah. So when we're thinking about a community, as a business owner wanting to build our own community, what would you say in terms of, you know, is a, just having a bigger community, a bigger audience, is that always better? Should we hone it into a very specific group of people? How do we begin this community building journey? I think you have to not always think about it as, oh, I've got people watching me. I think that becomes a factor, but like in the beginning, um, that sounds so cheesy, but just you being yourself. Like if you want to put something silly on your stories, do it. If you want to write an embarrassing story to your email list, do it. You know, um, if there's something you want to try in your business, do it. You know, you can change your mind about stuff. You don't always have to follow what other people are telling you or like other gurus on social media. Um, but you know, at some point you do have this like kind of duty, I guess. Um, the biggest thing for us is we don't make a move without asking our community, like, what do you need? How can we serve you? Um, I think asking questions to the people watching you, following you. And I'm, and I mean, even like outside of the internet, like real face to face or Zoom face to Zoom face <laughs> conversations that you can get feedback on. Um, and no, a, a big community is not always better. I mean, there obviously years ago we didn't have 30,000, whatever, you know, followers or whatever. Um, it has become increasingly not wildly difficult, but adds more to the mix for sure when there's more people. Because the thing is, the more people that come into your online community, let's get specific, the more you're going to have to research and see, okay, who are these new people? Are they all like the same people that are already here? Because what we realized in 2019, and this was after doing a, an annual survey to like a formal Google form asking people like your age, you know, what do you do for a living? All those kind of things. Uh, we learned there is a stark, um, split down the middle of 
what I call gen pop, general population, and business owners. So our community is very heavy, um, and it makes us to see how the 2022 survey comes out, um, because I, I would venture to say it's become a little bit more heavy on the business owner percentage. Um, but then we learned, okay, so not every event needs to be about business, or not every event needs to be like, you know, a crafty, like, let's make a flower arrangement because that's not going to appeal to everybody. And so we, that was really, really important. So the more you do grow, the more you need to check back and see who are all these people. It's kind of like if you do a giveaway on Instagram or something like that's as long as the giveaway is aligned to what your brand is about, you're good. But if it's not, then you're going to get a bunch of followers that have, don't give two craps about your brand or business. Yeah. And I think that's really important to think about because, you know, you can attract ideally in your head who sure. you want to attract and you can position yourself and your events and everything based on that. But then you have to go back and be like, who are you actually? Like, did I actually attract the right people or do I have to fine tune who I'm serving? Because yeah. sure, I have an idea of who I want to work with in my head, but mm-hmm. at some point they tell you what they want and what yeah. they need. And it should be that way. Like the, the market should, I mean, obviously don't go and completely change your business and you're like, I don't know who I am anymore, <laughs> but like you, the market should dictate what you do and how you serve people. Because if you are trying to sell yellow pencils and everyone hates yellow, <laughs> like you're just, it's not going to work. <laughs> right. So talking about how you built up this community, this is actually what allowed you to quit your full-time job and focus a little bit more on this community. So can you give us a little insight into how that process worked and how you were even able to monetize this community to allow you to do that when you finally decided, hey, this is now my business? It's time to go, yeah. Um, I, when we started out, it was events. That was the biggest thing that we were doing. I still think it's like the thing that people come to us for to find community, especially like locally in the city or in the surrounding areas. Um, I had a mentor who came alongside me early 2019 and she saw how we were growing um, and she saw the demand that I was seeing too. And she was like, how else are you going to monetize this? And I was like, that's a good question. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> and, um, and so that was the year we did 40 in-person events. And I don't recommend anyone <laughs> doing that, but like it sure did help me get profitable. Um, and I say profitable and I, here's what I mean. I'll just be like really transparent. That was the first year that I made, um, gross revenue that exceeded my teaching salary. And I, and that's when I had another big moment of, oh, this is not just like a side hustle anymore. Um, I wasn't paying myself. It was all just the money was sitting there. I was paying taxes. Obviously, in the first few years of your business, you have a lot of expenses depending on your business model. Events are very costly. If you want to go make a bunch of money, don't just go into events. I will <laughs> tell you that right now. <laughs> it looks amazing, glamorous, and it can grow over time for sure. Um, but events take a lot of money to, to do stuff. Um, so over the years, as we grew, people wanted to take advantage of our platform because what better way to get in front of your ideal client than to partner and advertise with all like thousands of your ideal clients or customers. Um, so even to this day, 
our brand partnerships and people advertising with us on our platforms, at our events, sponsoring things is the number one way we make money. And that was very scalable. And I think the, the future of that in the scalability is obviously continuing to reach more local and national businesses because we don't just work with local businesses. Um, but also as we grow, the, the game of platform advertising, um, if you want to call it that, I don't know if that's an official term, but is if you have more followers, brands will pay more. <laughs> and so, um, you know, there will be a stark contrast and difference if we hit 100,000 followers on Instagram and 20,000 followers on TikTok and our email list grows to 100,000 people, we will be making a lot more money. And so now it's just part of that is how do we get there? And I don't always want to focus on the numbers of we need more followers, blah, blah, blah. But that part of the business model, it that actually does make sense. So brand partnerships, events, sponsorships, um, we just launched our new membership, the Founders Collective. And then now um, since end of 2019, I've taken on uh, private one-on-one -on -one coaching clients um, and I've run some group programs um, and especially going into maternity, that's going to be much more limited and higher ticket in a more high impact container, if you will. It's not just going to be, you know, like right now here at the end of the year, I'm, I'm doing some 90 minute intensive sessions. That's probably not going to be something I'm going to be doing in the future. Um, it's, but you get to change yeah. your business based on what works for you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So as you shifted this business from a passion project to a business, obviously you mentioned, you know, you started to become profitable and you had to think mm -hmm. about that. I think there are a lot of people who almost like feel guilt about being like, this was supposed to be something fun and good, but like now I actually have to pay myself because I'm doing things and this is Tell my time. <laughs> so, you know, was that something you faced feeling guilty about charging for these things and how do you approach it now? In the beginning, I would say probably like 2018, 2019, especially when we started, because for the longest time, as embarrassing as it is, we didn't charge for our events. Um, and then when I was like, I'm putting a lot of time into this. Now it's actually costing me money. I'm not going into my pocket for this. Um, and I wanted to produce them. I, I didn't want to just have like these informal meetups. That felt, um, what is the word without sounding <laughs> a certain way? Um, that felt just like not aligned flaky to me. Yeah. I'm not aligned. Just probably a nicer way to say it. Um, but I wanted real curated events that people would come and have an experience and know, oh, this is their brand. Like, you know, and so, yes, I sort of feel guilt to feel guilty because I, of course, people have something to say sometimes. And they were like, why is this $15 or you know, is, is, do you have any discounts or, and I'm like, why are they complaining? <laughs> it costs $15. Like, and so that was a shift for people to get used to, but our community was not huge. And I had a moment of, I'm just, I'm making this a business now. The mission hasn't changed. The purpose hasn't changed and who we are hasn't changed, but we have expenses now. So, and I was just trying to break even on what it costs to, you know, get flowers and tote bags and gift things or whatever. Um, 
I did have a little bit of guilt around that. And then even so there are, I mean, even to this day, like yesterday we were, um, I was talking to some people who wanted to maybe advertise in our holiday gift guide, which we do every year. Corporate sponsors can join, small businesses can join, whatever. Um, and you know, we do support small business. We are a small business. I think that's what people forget about. And people still have a misconception of um, that we we will do it because we're nice. And nice it, is not a business. And nice <laughs> is not a business. And nice doesn't pay my bills. And, yeah. you know, and so I'm like, well, this is how much it costs to advertise with us normally. Actually, this is a lower price or, or whatever the situation was. Um and, and you learn and things like that, but, um, it's just business. Yeah. Like it's, you have to really value yourself. And what I've learned over the years is the people who value you and want to join you on the journey will join you. And the people who won't, won't. And, and anybody who's listening that's an entrepreneur probably gets this concept when it's, when it costs them nothing or a very little amount, that's when you might get the most complaints. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> or want the most out of someone. Because they're not as invested. Like, they don't have anything on the line. No. So why are they going to work for it? No. Um, and then, typically, when it's, you know, people on the higher price point, higher ticket, whatever, they're just like, send me the invoice. Or they, they know they're so aligned. And they they trust and value what you do. There's no convincing, and that's that's what I had to get over for a while. Was I uh, there's it is not my job to convince anybody that like coaching with me for thousands of dollars is worth it, or that like our conference ticket of two hundred three hundred dollars is worth it. You're you're with it, and you see the value, or you don't, and that's okay. Like I, I'm I will still be your friend. That is fine. I also think people mix. Um, I don't love the term biz bestie. <laughs> I love it <laughs> because it really gives people the wrong idea. Yeah. I don't want to be friend zones. Like I will be friendly and I'm a fun hang and like we can relate and, you know, talk about cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies together. But also this is what I do for a living. Like you, you know, there's no casual, like get coffee and pick your brain. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I've been there as well. I yes. know you have. I know <laughs> totally, you have. Totally understand. So, yeah. yeah, and I even think, I would say especially as women with perceived successful businesses, mm -hmm. people just, like, the concept of us wanting money is, like, foreign to people. And it, it like, should be shied away from. It's like, oh, yeah, like, I... I don't take home a ton of money. Why? Like, why? Right. I will shout from the rooftops. I like nice things yeah. and I want money and there is literally nothing wrong with that. I'm no. not like doing it unethically. I'm not no. charging more than the value I've providing. But like, there is nothing wrong with just wanting money and wanting There's nice not. things in life. There's really not. Especially, and my, my perspective have, has even become stronger because I'm, we're about to have our first kid. You there's nothing you can make me feel bad about. Yeah. Because I know after doing this for almost six years and the people that believe in us, the people that support us, our community, what we're doing for people, the proof is now in the pudding. And, you know, I'm, we're not going to change our price on X, Y, Z or 
Um, it's just, there is, it is possible to have this happy balance of being yourself and having fun and being friendly and totally getting paid for what you deserve, um, for your experience, expertise, and your years of like work and your degree or whatever it might be for you. Like you deserve that. And other people, it's not our job to convince those people. And if, if we have to do that, they're probably not our people. Exactly. And I found like a little bit more of a tangible thing that I think helps on, you know, people asking for discounts or not wanting to pay. It's just like put procedures in place. Like this is yeah. my standard. This is the template email I send you. This yeah. is this, like there is no opportunity for me to sit there and compose an email and be like, Oh, am I going to offer a discount or not? Like this is the standard way we do things, mm -hmm. whoever it is, whether they're a friend of mine or whether they're, I never met them before. Like mm -hmm. just putting procedures in place and being like, these are the procedures I follow. And also like, if people can tell it's kind of a standard templatized thing, like yeah. they're like, oh, this is like standard. This wasn't somebody who I can negotiate with. Yes. That is one thing I will say. Anytime I've been in a, a moment of um, scarcity mindset or, you know, before I really learned how to deal with those kind of conversations, um, the reason why sometimes it went that way and people thought they could negotiate was because I made it seem that way. And that's on me or whoever you're, if you're listening, mm -hmm. if you're getting that a lot, it's you're opening yourself up to it. It's probably on you and how you're saying it. Right. Like if you're like, I would love to help you. Let's grab coffee. That is not specific enough. If While you, you pay me, <laughs> if you say, Hey, I specialize in this. I've helped clients with this. We could set up a whatever service. Is that interesting to you? That is there's no doubt about that that's not going to be free, <laughs> you yeah. know? So, yeah, that's really good advice to just be like, here are my packages. Yeah. You know, what, what do you like? Because you're right. Sometimes it may be people are like, oh, they just want to chat with me. And like, I try not to have the mindset that other people are trying to take advantage of me often because most of the time that's not the case. Sure. You are just, you're doing it to yourself. <laughs> so you have to be a lot more um, confident that you're worth it, really. Yeah. So... I would love to hear what's next for you. There's so much you've done. What? You said you're always moving on to the next one. What's next? I know. Well, let's have this baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. About yeah. that. <laughs> uh, let's have Christmas and Thanksgiving and have this baby. Um, and I'm really excited to watch my team as I'm on maternity and kind of let things shift in my position as CEO and our, with our team into Q1, Q2 of next year. Um, and then, I mean, we have some really great conversations going um, privately with some brand partners that could be really amazing in the next year or so. Um, and then we would love to, like, you know, my dream, for example, for the, with the conference is I'd love to, like, do it in Dallas and then do it in Austin or... You know, apparently we have a lot of people in short in Atlanta. I don't know if a lot of people follow us and have joined our community from Atlanta. Um, you know, I think so kind of popping up around the country. What does that look like? Um, and then, you know, stuff like this, like making time for stuff like this, because we had a podcast for four years and I love being a host. I loved talking. I loved interviewing people. But 
it, it became a thing that I was not passionate about yeah. for our business model. So, but I would rather, you know, go and continue to build, um, no, no, not even just my name, but share our story, um, in these different platforms and have different open conversations, um, whether it's about business or life or being a mom now and, um, all that stuff. But, and I think too, then the last thing would be leaning into serving moms in our community, uh, whether you're a first time mom or, um, you got four kids, whatever it looks like. Uh, I think we probably have some of that coming up. Yeah. And I think that's so important that you're shifting your community with you. You know, you said you built it on what you needed. So let it shift on what you need. It's like, I started this, you know, if people joined us back when I started and you were anywhere near my age, we're growing up together. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are kind of like me and, and they might be married now or they might have kids now. And you know, it sounds a little selfish because I'm a mom now, but it's like, oh, we should probably do that. There are a lot, because we've heard it more in the last year. Again, going back to asking our community and listening to them. I think we get that a lot from our Facebook group because there's so many people talking in there all the time. We can really pull and see, okay, what are some of the common topics? And over the last year, we've, we've heard moms are lonely and they just need a place to like be an adult again, <laughs> you know, with like bring their kids or not. I don't care, but they just need something. Mm-hmm. So that's fantastic. So I'm so excited to hear kind of what you have um, coming next and see that come to fruition. So thank you so much, Amanda, for spending time with us today. Uh, yeah. We loved having you here. And to our CEO listeners, don't forget to check the show notes for links to connect with Amanda and also to join the CEO wing woman community. <laughs> see what I did there. (laughs) Um, So thank you guys for listening and I will see you next week.